We are here on Monday, August 2nd, it's 4 o'clock. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody and acknowledge our sponsors for the event. This is put on by the Local League of Women Voters, which is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization with more than 65 local members and is dedicated to encouraging active participation in government. It influences public policy through education and advocacy, and membership is open to everyone. I'd also like to thank KZMU, which is our local um, nonprofit public radio station, and Molly Marcello, who is producing tonight's event, is the news and public affairs director and host of KZMU. And also a shout out to Bob Owens, who's our, our uh, technical guy today. Um, and I'd, like, I'd like to introduce you to our panelists. Um, Kevin Walker is a commissioner, county commissioner and the Grand County Democratic Party chair. Cricket Green is the Grand County Republican Party chair and Stephen Stocks is an independent who chaired the form of government committee. Um, Kevin, can you say a couple of things about what you love about Grand County? Um, sure, I love the small town feel, and um, I love the public lands that surround us. Great, and Stephen? Um, I, I love Grand County, it's where I grew up, and I, anywhere else that I've ever lived at, you can't do five or six errands and be home in less than 20 minutes, so that's something that I love. <laughs> Great, thanks, and Cricket? Um, I just love Moab, it's my home, and Grand County, I fifth generation, so I care a lot, about, a lot about our community, and I think that it's beautiful, and everyone who comes here agrees with us. Yes. I'd also like to thank Bo Kolb and Barb Lacey from the League of Women Voters for helping to produce this event. All right, let's get started. The topic of discussion today is about our local redistricting effort, um, not uh, the state legislative districts or the congressional uh, legislative redistricting topics, which I'm sure are on people's minds. After last year's successful vote, we have uh, determined that we will keep five districts within Grand County for the purposes of representation on the County Commission and the School Board and the voter participation areas, which are, as I understand it, uh, for purposes of gathering uh, signatures on petitions and so on. Kevin, would you like to explain the goals of the redistricting effort? Sure. Uh, well, I think part of what we're going to be discussing on the panel is what the goal should be, so I'm also interested to hear what the other panelists say. But I would, I would say we want districts that make sense geographically, so you know, they're not crazy, squirrely-shaped. Um, I, I think we need districts that are both you know, free of partisan bias, and we also want to go through a, a process where everyone can be assured that there is no partisan bias. And then finally, um, I think districts that make sense in terms of the issues that the county has to address. And so a term that's often used in redistricting is, quote, quote um, communities of interest. And that can mean various different things, neighborhoods, um, racial groups, um, renters versus homeowners, you know, lot, lots of things. And the, and the idea is you don't want to split those people apart by putting them all in the same district that might give more diverse representation on the commission. Okay, and um, importantly, I think we need to, th one of the big challenges is that the districts, the five districts, must be really quite close in population to one another. Right? Yeah, I, I should have mentioned that one. I, um, but yeah, I think that within 10% is the, the legal standard we have to meet. 
Okay. Um, Stephen or Cricket, do you have anything to add to that as far as what we're trying to achieve? Um, I think that um, it's going to be, I think that we worked very hard when we were on the form of government committee to, to make the lines not look like gerrymandering and everything. So I think that needs to be important because that's not really what most people are trying to do. Um, I think that Moab is very diverse street to street. I mean, when we were on the committee, we had all three parties fairly represented within a one block radius, really. So I think it, I think Moab is, has a lot of um, people that aren't extreme one way or another. So I don't know that it would be too hard to not, to um, divide it um, politically. Because I mean, I th think lots of people are mixed around. I do think it's important that the numbers match because it's ridiculous how far they're off right now. But I did one of the things that I found interesting when I was on the committee was Castle Valley wanted their own district, which they pretty much have now. But their problem was is no one out there wanted the job of representing them. So it almost would make you wonder if it wouldn't be a way to split it where they were divided into you know into other groups so that they had more of a, a representation since they don't really have people that want to to act for them so that was kind of interesting because i found out people who were representing them like on the um the recreation board were people that lived in spanish valley not people that lived out in castle valley well so let's actually launch into that discussion of what we call communities of interest a community of interest is a group of people who live in a compact area and have something in common who would benefit from being in the same district. They could have shared cultures, history, languages, experiences, identity, housing, recreation options, transportation access, environmental concerns, or other bonds that bring them together. Relationship with a political party, candidate, or incumbent cannot be considered a community of interest. You name your community of interest and say why it's important to keep your community together. You can also say that if you're not big enough to be a district, this community next to you is a lot like you and would be, and you would like to be together. Um, I think that some of the examples that we've talked about besides um, neighborhoods, Castle Valley's the classic example, rural areas, areas with, uh, for instance, personal water wells, like not on the municipal systems, um, areas affected by noise or traffic, areas that include a high percentage of affordable housing facilities or owner-occupied homes, social or ethnic representation, and et cetera. So it's, we can just um, uh, open it up. Do, would any of you like to start? You, you already have said some cricket. Stephen, do you want to follow sure. up? I, I think the most important part about this entire process is we need to make it as transparent and open as possible. And the goal is to include everybody as best we can. I think a lot of the communities that we've talked about are communities that have the opportunity and the time to represent themselves or express their interests. Um, for me personally, I think that one of the areas, and you have to be very careful about how one um, goes about considering this, is we have a, a pretty decent Spanish-speaking community. And that doesn't come up as one of the, the topics or the pieces. It's, it's really important that one is careful how you do it, because if you do it in an improper way, it's unconstitutional. Um, 
But at the end of the day, you need to have everybody being able to come to the table and, and express these things. And I think it's really important that we keep an eye on a couple things. One, I think Moab is very diverse as a whole. From one street to the next street, now we really see it where you have uh, condos that are coming in at $600,000 a piece next to somebody that's lived in their uh, great-great-grandfather's house and they've never changed it and it's never you know, changed anything else. I think that's almost everywhere in Moab. And so it's really important to find things that we can see in the community and be able to cut these different pieces of this pie to be equal in, in shape and number, but most importantly, consider some of the other things. And, and I hate kind of, you know, talking about those that can't speak for themselves, but it's really important that we try to reach out to everybody we can and try to bring them on board because otherwise people later on uh, will feel like they didn't get an opportunity to come sit at the table. Great. Kevin? Um, yeah, no, I think you summed up um, the communities of interest pretty well. Um, just to go in a little bit more detail on some of those, a lot of the decisions that the county commission makes have to do with planning and zoning. You know, we're not, you know, we don't get to decide you know, there's a lot of issues that are decided at the state or national levels, but what the county commission does is we decide what gets built where. And I think often, you know, people living in particular neighborhoods have a particular point of view, like, you know, the, the bypass on the west side of town, the proposed bypass, as a classic example where people who live in the neighborhoods that would be affected by that have a different point of view than people who live elsewhere in the county. So I think that that's a good example of what would be an important community of interest from the point of view of drawing local commission districts. Um, another one is incorporated versus unincorporated parts of the county. Uh, you know, in Grand County, we spend a lot of time planning on zoning, but it only affects about half the county. The other half lives in either within the Moab city limits or the Castle Valley city limits. And so um, there has been a situation on the county commission and the county planning commission recently where a very large majority of those people either lived in Castle Valley city limits or Moab city limits, and then the few who didn't probably lived with an HOA. So you had a lot of people who didn't really have a stake in it deciding what zoning would be. So I think one thing we can do by drawing districts carefully is try to make sure that people who live in the unincorporated parts of the county who are directly affected by the P county zoning decisions um, have a voice. Um, I think, you know, Stephen brought up some, some good examples. Um, one more that uh, I think Car Carter Pape of the Times Independent brought up was um, renters versus, you know, home homeowners, and their interests are sometimes in conflict. Um, and he was suggesting that we try to draw districts that, you know, consist mostly of renters. I think that there's some tension between that goal and not making the districts look all squirrely, because I think to pick out the high rental areas, it would have to be a pretty squiggly line, but I, I think that's worth discussing, so. I think it's interesting that we're doing it right now with so many big housing projects where people haven't moved in yet that are really gonna tilt it once we get them drawn. And then they'll have to wait till the next census to bring it back. Because with the, with, with the density of the housing that they wanna put just in that new um, community I don't even remember what it's called out there behind the Budweiser. Royal Crossing. Yeah, Royal. That's going to be huge, and there, but there's nobody living it right now, so you can't really draw that line because to to make that, and so that once that, say, you know, two to five years, that's going to really 
um, increase the numbers in that district against all the others where it's supposed to be you know one person one vote within 10 percent it's gonna be kind of hard to figure out how you account for what what you've already approved in the Planning Commission to be built so how do you how do you deal with that because you it's been approved it's gonna happen so do you do you look at those numbers now you know even though nobody's living there yet because they will be within what two to five years well, I think one option we have is, you know, the 10% wiggle room is, is significant. And so I, I would, be, you know, other things being equal, I would put a Royal Crossing, which currently has zero population, inside a district that's at the low end rather than our most populous that's district. What I, so, but that's what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, that needs to be thought about because that's yeah. going to happen. And, the, and that's going to pull that because, boy, when I was on the former government committee, I was shocked at how uneven our districts were. I, I, I honestly had no idea I, I think also when you look at renting you can look at a very there's there's a couple communities that we have like uh, Grand Oasis for example that is a high chunk of population in, in one area and I know that the majority of the individuals that are in that community are not owning the land they may own the the home that they're in but you have some communities like that the difficulty when you look at this whole communities of interest, it's really a numbers game. If we had an equal number of people that lived in Castle Valley and an equal number that lived in uh, the city limits of, of Moab, this would be a really easy thing to do. You just say, okay, box there, box there, we're done. Uh, but you have to kind of look through it and you have to parse through it. And the hard thing is you want to be able to spend enough time to intelligently check out the numbers and, and consider things like this, but you don't want to get too close where you're looking at the trees. Because when you get too close to look at the trees, I think that's where you can get into, you can get into some problems and that's you know, the whole interest of, of political or getting you know, just a little bit too close to the idea. Because if we look up where Stephen Stocks lives or somebody like that, it, then, you, then you get into a whole can of worms that make things a lot easier. But I do think that there are, there are opportunities and you can look at how the different areas are zoned and say, you know, this is a, a mobile home park and this is a condo rental. And you can kind of use that information to, to kind of help draw the maps. The problem is, is if we get too into it, then you start having these squirrely, uh, crazy shapes with 27 sides. And that's right. concerning. And um, going back to what Cricket was saying, we're not really sure about the history of the different districts it's possible that way back decades ago when they were established they might have been equal in size we don't know right now but kevin can you um take us a step back and sort of briefly paint a picture of what the current boundaries are for our five districts sure i can try to describe that briefly um my glasses on uh, district four is Spanish Valley east of Spanish Valley Drive, plus Castle Valley and Thompson. District three, and this is very weird, District three has two distinct pieces, which is generally a, a no-no. Like I think if someone took us to court and said we draw, drew a non-contiguous district, they, they would win, but no one ever brought that challenge. So, so District three is Spanish Valley uh, to the west side of Spanish Valley Drive, and also the Walker, Tusher, um, you know, east, east of, Fourth East neighborhood, dis disconnected. Um, District One is the sort of Holyoke Lane area, and then also the sort of grid streets in downtown Moab between Fourth East and First West, and then up to 200 North. 
District 5 is uh, Mountain View Subdivision, Grand Oasis, and the Park Streets you know, near, the, near City Park. And District 2 is basically Steensville and everything north of about four, 400 north, both sides of the highway. And of those districts, as Cricket mentioned, they are very unequal in population. And I think it's because the county neglected to redistrict in 2001 and again in 2011, they probably started out rough, roughly equal. And the, the districts that are very large now are the ones that include Spanish Valley, um, districts three and four. They have almost twice as many as the, the northern districts, like two and five. Um, and I presumably that's because a lot of build over the past 30 years or so, a lot of new residents have, have gone up in the southern part of the county. Thanks for that. That's quite a mental picture. To go back to what um, to Carter's editorial this week in the Times Independent, he spoke about trying to uh, incorporate the affordable housing that exists. He referenced the Virginian and Cinema Court and the Kane. Creek Boulevard apartments, and now there will be a royal crossing. And it, it almost seems to me like it was all done on purpose to have one of those projects, if you will, in each of the districts. So it seems like it would be, it's a nice concept, but I don't, I don't know, you could speak to this if you think it's realistic to try to, it's, it's almost the renters versus homeowners um, dilemma it's well, well I guess one thing I do want to say is I, I'm today I'm primarily interested in talking about process and keeping things open and transparent um, you know we'll have time in the future to discuss whether those those ideas are workable or not um, but I'm, I'm really glad you brought them up I mean it's not something I would have thought of myself and that's part of the reason that the county's trying you know hopefully in a moment we'll talk about the redistricting portal website that the county has set up so that people can submit these ideas, but um, I, I think Carter's proposed map that he submitted via the portal and the editorial are a great way for, you know, I think he's setting an example for other citizens to contribute ideas, and we can't adopt everybody's ideas because they're sometimes they're incompatible, but I think we should, you know, look closely at everybody's ideas, so. And um, yeah, go ahead. When, when, when all of it's done, they gotta be pretty, pretty lines because, and I don't mean, I mean, they need to be not pretty pretty, but um, what word do I want to use? Where we there's no you know meandering or whatever because it's got to pass the state legislature. So we want it to to look because it's got to be approved. I went and checked and made sure. Don't frown. I made sure before I, I did that that it has to be approved by the mm -hmm. legislature. What I was told. I called somebody upstate. So if I was told wrong, it was somebody up that's high okay. up that told me no. But I asked because I didn't know. I wanted some kind of background. And when we did the one for the for the districting, there was like we needed a few more votes. So you know we needed this. Well, it looked pretty bad if somebody came and looked that we went and took this one lane because it went down. But we needed those I don't know 20 votes or whatever. So we just went ahead and incorporated all the farmland because there were no votes there. So it still looked like a good nice straight line and so there are ways to to make it not look so because people weren't really living there if that makes sense but we want it we want to absolutely be transparent and I think everybody's really gotten used to zoom and and you know in the YouTube channels and everything and so I think 
I think that is your intent to have most of those things be so that people can watch and participate. I think people will feel better if they feel like that they can can participate from home or or it, or in person because we're kind of getting used to not participating in person. But at least people are taking the time. The only thing I would recommend is that the meetings don't drag on because people get bored. Right. Yeah. As far as the squiggly lines go, it's really tough, and it's not just the county precincts, but also uh, um, our state representation, um, that you can live on the other side of the street from someone. Spanish Valley Drive is a perfect example of, it's all one neighborhood, but the line goes right down the street. Exactly. Um, Kevin, do you want to talk a little bit more about the, the process before us? Um, it sounds like the county commission ultimately votes on a map, and then maybe it goes upstate for approval. We don't... No, yeah, yeah, no, it ultimately, you know, counties decide their own districts. So San Juan County is going through something similar now because they also have county commission districts. And, you know, the state legislature is drawing the state districts. Um, I think, but I, we, you know, we've discussed this in a few meetings at, on the county commission. And um, so maybe I should just outline what we're doing to try to make sure it is open and transparent because the, you know, state law doesn't tell us how to do it. It just says we have to decide on districts. So it's up for us, up to us to decide the process. Um, I, I think we want to collect I, district ideas from the general public, and we've set up a an online website portal. Utah, well, hopefully the radio station can give the correct URL for that. Um, so you can go on, and um, you know, there's a, some simple instructions and draw your own districts, and we'll be doing a training for that uh, Wednesday. We're also, we've engaged a redistricting consultant and they can generate some districting maps that are like drawn by computer algorithms, you know, so just, just looking at population numbers and nothing else. And so at that point, you know, we'll have a bunch of candidate maps that has been submitted to the county commission. And once we get those and, you know, eliminate ones that seem unworkable, uh, we want to put those out for public comment so that everybody, including local political parties, can take a really close look at them. And it's... And then after that, we have in mind a process tentatively that is something like jury selection. That if we if we have 12 maps, and say Cricket says, well, you know, these three maps look really bad from the Republican Party point of view, then you know I think we're not going to pick a map that has been identified as biased. And and someone else can say it looks bad. You know, we'll ha we'll have a lot of maps, and hopefully only a mi minority of them. We'll, ha we'll have objections and we'll, and we'll have half a dozen left over that no one really thinks are bad and we'll just try to select one of those. So that's, that's the process we envision. So that, because I think most map, you know, there's a millions of different ways you could divide up the county into five, you know, it seems counterintuitive, but they're just a really large number of ways you could do it. Most of those ways are pretty neutral and pretty similar, but a few of those might be in extreme in one regard or the other and we want to avoid the extreme maps. And so the there will be like public process uh, hearings or presentations, and then yeah, we'll probably set up a, a website to do it. But when do you envision making the final decision? Like when? when do you oh, think when? Well, we I think it needs to be before the end of the year. Okay. Everything. I, something else we should mention because the census was delayed because of COVID. We're we're not actually even getting our census numbers until the middle of August. Normally, that would be more like April. So this is going to be a very compressed process con compared to other 
other years, but um, but we've you know gotten an early start and we've set up a website with um, estimated population data just so people can practice using the tools. Um, but once we once we get the real numbers, um, then we can get going. And um, a point of personal confusion that I had was uh, apparently something that the Supreme Court has taken up, so I feel like I'm special. But uh, <laughs> when we do get this data from the census, it'll be, there's this whole concept of one person, one vote. But it's not just the registered voters, it's every person. So in our community, it seems like the bigger question is which, um, in the census, it seems like people wouldn't answer the census if they didn't actually occupy their home. So then, like, let's say Rim Village, for instance. It's a huge neighborhood. It's one of the biggest neighborhoods, I would argue, but I don't know how many people actually live there. So, but then again, that could change overnight, and everyone who owns the Rim Village condo could move back in, but I, there's, that's not something that we could foresee, but but I don't know if that'll come into play when you draw districts like they're a bunch of essentially empty houses in terms of um, representation of citizens of Grand County. Well, for, for purposes of determining whether the population is equal, yeah, we use census counts, and the census counts all residents. That includes um, children. That includes non-citizens. Um, it includes, I mean, it isn't relevant in Grand County, but there, there are counties which have gigantic prisons you know, within their boundaries, and that counts in terms of drawing districts, even though none of those prisoners can vote. Um, so all, all those people count, and when we're trying to determine whether we're with, within 10% population, we'll be using those numbers. And, and you're right that those are not the same as registered voter numbers. Um, in Grand County, I don't think they're going to be hugely different personally, but... The, pro the program that Mr. Cooper, was that his, the Mr. Cooper, the expert, that did the redrawing for the change of form of government maps, and I think it's the same expert that the county plans on using, you could get down to the resident level and look how many individuals lived in that household. When, when Cricket was commenting about being able to say, well, we need 10 more votes to be within that 10% uh, swing, you can actually zoom in and be like, okay, that house has 17. Well, we need 13, so we can pick their neighbors over here. That's how terrifyingly neat and terrifyingly terrifying it is. Um, that's kind of one of the good and the bad, but you can see everybody that's there. So interesting okay well um I, what i'd like to do is get any more thoughts from you all on the communities of interest and then uh, we'll move to the next topic about partisan bias and if there's time at the end of the presentation um, we can take questions or comments from the audience but uh, any any more ideas about the communities of interest i, I would just say i think it's I think it's really neat that we're having the ability to be involved in the process. I think Mr. Carter's idea about having rentals, I think that is possible. I think it's foreseeable. You can look at those big areas that have lots of population. I think the most important part is to be involved. Um, the only kind of comment that I'd say about the process, I think the process is a very interesting way to have it. I do think it's really important that whoever's on the committee, uh, that they not just turn it into a popularity contest. If my map gets all the votes, that doesn't necessarily make it the best map. 
um, it needs to be reasonable and it needs to be fair. And I think that's something that's really important throughout this entire process. And I think um, Mr. Walker, you know, helping putting, put on this event, Mr. Walker helping have the, the workshops and everything, those are great things. Those are really wonderful, helpful things that the community can come in and get involved. But it's not only just the process and the way that we do it, it's how we get to the decision and that decision looks like a fair one. That's what we all need to be, um, to be good. And so that was my kind of touching on everything. Well, let's talk about partisan bias. Um, so I would remind you that, uh, remind listeners that a relationship with a political party, candidate, or incumbent cannot be considered a community of interest. And I'd like you all to discuss now how we recognize partisan bias in the drawing of maps. Stephen? Sure. I, can, I mean, I think it's important to remember, you know, Mr. Walker and, and Ms. Green, they come from political parties, and that comes with more individuals and more resources and more connections and everything else. And when you start to add all those factors, it's, it, it can be really scary. When you look at the the trees, you know, the forest and the trees analogy. When you look at the trees, you can narrow down, oh, I know that this household, I know that that person could run. So if we put this in a different district, we'll put them in so-and-so's district and they're not able to run again for another period of time. I think it's really easy to do things that can favor one political party than, than the other. For me, from a standpoint of an independent, all I can say is, hey, be as open and transparent as possible. It is wonderful the idea that Mr. Walker said, hey, I'll, I'll shoot a map to the Republicans, and the Republicans come out and say, hey, that looks, it looks like you guys are cheating, don't do that, and they'll you know, essentially permit them a veto or permit them conversation. There are a lot of people in the community that are, that are independents, and the hard thing with independents is sometimes they're not connected to one group or the other, so it's really onerous on them to get involved in the process. So the only thing I would say about politics is it's super easy to do, it's super, super easy to identify things, and it's almost like those that are in power have to be very, very careful because the mere perception of being biased, that is what one should avoid. And especially when we're doing something that hasn't been done for, what, 20 years, 15 years? 30, yeah. 30, there you go. That's even more concerning. So that's kind of my, my two cents on it, that just extreme caution and extreme awareness that people could perceive this and, and how you go about that is being as transparent as possible, which, based on this conversation, I think we're off to a wonderful start. Yeah, Cricket, I think that you're straight well, I alone. I think that um, you're representing pretty much the independent party, so I think they do have a say. Yeah. So to say they don't have a say is kind of like, I think everybody has a say, you know, and and being involved is how we have, have that, in, in my opinion, anyway. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd like to say, so partisan bias or gerrymandering, that, that's a very big issue in like state level redistricting that we see a lot. And that's, it's, it's been in the news quite a bit for the past, you know, 10 years at least. But on this very small level, Grand County, where our population is only 10,000, um, things are a little bit different. One way in which it's different is it's, it's difficult to evaluate. You know, suppose I come up with a map and I want to know, is this favorable to, favorable to Democrats or to Republicans? That, if it was a statewide map, you, you could get a pretty good answer because you would look at individual precincts and see how they voted historically and then predict how elections are going to turn out. 
with that map. In, in Grand County, we can't do that. We can't do it because um, the main reason is our precincts are pretty large compared to our uh, district. And so any district map we see is going to not line up with our historical precincts. And so you can't really use precinct voting data. We could try to use party registration data, but you know the biggest group, actually this isn't true anymore, but un unaffiliated voters are the biggest group within Grand County until very recently. Now there are slightly well, more I, Republicans. I've now. read many of the ones who've claimed to be Republicans that I know for a fact are not. Okay. So I wouldn't absolutely would not okay, go so, by those. Okay, yeah. So there's more unaffiliated voters than there are real Republicans. Um, you know, and, and so we can't, party affiliation doesn't work. Yeah, you know, we, we could take a close, you know, someone just, you know, with knowledge of local politics could say, well, this neighborhood tends to vote one, more one way than the other, but it, it's going to be very inexact. So, so that's one thing to keep in mind is no, no one, certainly I, is going to be able to say in any precise way whether a map is as a Republican or Democratic or anti-independent bias. That's hard to determine. We might have some rough guesses, but it's hard to say with the precision that we see on state level maps. And I agree with that. But I, I think that misses the point. You could there are there are ways to do it. You could identify. I mean, it's a small town. We know where each other. We we know where everybody lives. I mean, there are there are ways that you could do that. I mean, you could carve out certain neighborhoods and, and change, especially when you look at the next election. You'll know that certain districts are going to go up for election, right? Mm -hmm. And you could carve people in or out using the information that you know where particular individuals live. Yeah. Well, it's it's difficult. I. I yeah, but but I, I think we want to avoid that, and that's part right. of the reason that I, we want to get maps out early so that people can comment on them. Isn't and, all of our elections nonpartisan? Yeah, there's, there's that so point there, as well. So all of our elections are nonpartisan, both city and county. Yeah, so in the in the future. No, now they're not. Now no. they're well in the future. No. The, the county elections will be partisan, but yeah. all okay. our historical election data is not okay. partisan. I thought that didn't happen since it didn't. They um, fixed it. I yeah. thought that since the new form of government didn't go in, that didn't happen either. No, that, that was an independent question. Okay. But some, something else to keep in mind about partisan bias is whether it's possible or not really depends on how mixed together. Let, let, let me, I'm just going to oversimplify. I'm sorry, Stephen. I'm just no, going to say everybody's a Democrat or Republican. Perfect. Mean voter for purposes of discussion. If they're all mixed together, then it's hard to gerrymander. So to, to take, you know, here's kind of a fanciful example. Let's suppose in our county, all the women are Republicans, all the men are Democrats, and um, every, every household has a man and a woman, except because women live longer, we've got a fair number of one-woman households scattered throughout the county. So in that situation, no matter how you draw a district, it's gonna have a Republican majority because it's, you, know, you, can't separate, you, know, you can't draw the line down the middle of a house, and you know, even if they're sleeping in separate bedrooms or something, I think that it wouldn't work. So, so that that's an example. And we shouldn't know that, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's that's an example where it's impossible to gerrymander, and and the Republicans would win every district, you know, via fifty-one to forty-nine percent margin. Now that sounds fanciful, but if you look at the state of Massachusetts, that's kind of the situation written there. The state of Massachusetts has about as many Republicans as usual as Democrats. It's mid-thirties, and they have I think it's eleven congressional districts, something like that, and every single one of them. You know, elects a Democrat, but it's mathematically impossible to draw a Republican majority district in Massachusetts, and that's because the Republicans are not concentrated anywhere. There's no Republican town or Republican suburb; they're just mixed in. Um, 
in contrast, you know, there's states like Pennsylvania and North Carolina where there is more segregation between the parties, and then it is possible to, to get a significant advantage by drawing lines very carefully. Um, and so I, I tend to think in Grand County we're probably somewhere between those two extremes, but I, I don't think it's possible to do a, an extreme gerrymander in Grand County. Um, and, and I think we should, of course, not draw an extreme ger gerrymander, but even if we wanted to, it would be difficult, I think. How would we draw our neighborhood? I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it would be impossible, honestly, our neighborhood. Yeah, that's a, a good, that's be, a good example. alone at the end of the street. No, <laughs> I was going to say, you, uh, Cricket Street is a perfect example exactly. of the leadership of the political parties live on your street, <laughs> both sides. On both sides, yeah. What else about this topic? And that's good. That's well, I, I do encourage people, you know, people who are very interested, like the people who have showed up to watch this in person, they should um, visit the county's redistricting portal website and, and try drawing a map. And you'll just, you know, you'll, you know with the equal population constraint, it's, it's harder than you might expect. And, and I think um, it gives you a good perspective on what is and isn't possible in, in districting. So. I can tell you that um, that URL, it's portal, P-O-R-T-A-L dot Utah dash mapping dot org. Portal dot Utah dash mapping dot org. Thank you. Thanks for that, Molly. Um, Kevin, can you talk about this training to, about how to draw your own map that's going to be happening two days from today on Wednesday? Yeah, well, it's it's a sort of hands-on training for using that website. Now, we, we hope that the website is self-explanatory, and, and indeed, some people um, ha have gone there and, and draw maps. But you know, some some people prefer to see a live demonstration, and that's what we're going to be doing Wednesday evening. And in fact, we could probably even draw a few. I'm I'm hoping that we can draw some district maps with audience participation. Um, I'm I'm going to be leading the training because I I know how to use the website, but if what I would like to do is just have the audience say, okay, we started the south end of the county, now go here, expand here, and we'll, you know, maybe produce some maps. And, and then hopefully people who participate will be able to do it on their own in the future. Um, the website also allows people to, like, just draw the boundaries of a neighborhood or other community of interest that they think is important or just submit general comments. So, so that training um, will be a Zoom, a Zoom, um Zoom meeting, and it's going to be at 7 o'clock on Wednesday, August 4th. That's this Wednesday, which, as Cricket has pointed out, uh, conflicts with the city's um, truth and taxation. Yeah, the truth and ta taxation public hearing, which is at, I believe, 6 o'clock. Yep. Um, however, I, it'll probably be recorded. It, it will be. Yes, we'll record it, and if there's sufficient interest, we'll have another training on yeah. a different day. So it's important to know to our listeners that you need to get an invitation to the Zoom, and I'm going to give you another address here. It's my.lwv, that stands for League of Women Voters, my.lwv.org forward slash Utah forward slash grand dash county my.lwv.org slash utah 
slash grand dash county and that's um, our local league's website it has all kinds of interesting information but it also has a way to get the zoom link all right if we have some more time we can take some questions from the audience or comments but Kevin do you have something to say um I mean I questions from the audience would be great I mean there, there's some technicalities about districting in terms of we also have to draw precincts there's a relation between, you know, we might have a state house district line in our county and whether we, you know, so I, we could talk about those things, but maybe it would be more interesting to see if there's any questions from the audience. And are precincts still a thing with a uh, vote by mail? Yes, we're, we're required by state law to draw precincts and they have to be, I think, no more than 1,200 voters each, something like that. But... Um, it gets tricky because we also have city municipal boundaries which may or may not line up with precinct boundaries so right now the, the situation with precincts and sub precincts is pretty squirrely if you look at the map on the county webpage you know it does not inspire confidence so we're hoping we can do, do better than that when we get to redraw all the lines yeah that seems really complicated it, it seems to me that a ballpark figure for the size of our council commission districts and school board districts will be about 2,000 people. Yeah. Um, and so if you have 1,200 person precincts, that that doesn't pencil out. Well, that's that's a maximal size. So so we could have, you know, precincts with roughly 1,000 people in each. You know, that, that would be one, one way to do it. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, it's always been, it seems to me, the case that we'll have that you can be in one uh, county pre uh, county district and then the person across the street from you is in a different state house district. Yeah, and that's something, um, at the county commission meeting tomorrow, one of our discussion topics for the meeting is, you know, do we like being split in half in state house districts or we would prefer to all be in one district? Um, because if, if we do prefer that, not to be split um you know we need to tell the state independent redistricting committee and also the legislative redistricting committee that that's what we want so um if the, the, ar the argument for being split is then you've got you know two representatives instead of one that are supposed to listen to you but um most people you know prefer not to be split anyway we the commission will make a decision on that tomorrow yeah it was stated at the last city council meeting that the city will be advocating for having one uh representative for all of Moab okay yeah. are there questions from the audience we have Dave Early the former mayor of Castle Valley and he can come up and and state uh, his piece and then Dave we will limit you to two minutes if you would all right I won't need two minutes <laughs> thank you all for participating in this um, I realize this is going to be a very difficult process come up with what appears equitable to various communities but I guess um, just like I feel gerrymandered by the state of Utah by having us split in two I don't see any advantage to it I think the suggestion of splitting Castle Valley into five districts and I think there were some misleading things presented there that aren't exactly accurate about our district and us having representation because we're only 400 people or 300 and yeah, that doesn't, we don't win our election. We have impacts on it. But anyway, splitting it into five different districts would be gerrymandering. Thank you. So just, just, just to comment a little bit on that, I, I think Dave was alluding to the fact that C Castle Valley, which is 
has its own, you know, is geographically separated from most of our population. And so that's, you know, that's a community of interest if ever there was one. Um, but the population of roughly 400 people is less than the 2,000, roughly 2,000. So, so no, no matter how we draw districts, they're going to be a minority within their district. Um, so people from Castle Valley, if they have pref if they, if there's parts of Spanish Valley they'd prefer to be grouped with or not, um, they should speak up in the in the coming weeks. And, and I think also it's important to note likely the place that's supposed to be pop more likely than not to cut up into five different pieces is, is the city of Moab. I mean, you, you have such dense population in the city limits, the, the districts are going to have to have chunks of the city, whereas smaller communities like Thompson, the 20 people in Green River, uh, Castle Valley, those could be lumped together to somewhere else. But you can't, uh, you, would, you would need five Castle Valley communities to get that the number so it's, it's just not possible but I, I don't think I, I don't think we've ever I've ever heard the idea that they were going to slice up Castle Valley I think that would be yeah. difficult impossible and weird um, next we have Walt Dabney who was a member of the form of government committee Walt, thanks thank you all for having this I just uh, wanted to say quickly that uh, having worked with Cricket and, and Stephen and four other folks, we had the chair of the Republican Party and the former chair of the Democratic Party, and, and it was really a great adventure, and, and we really worked well together. When it got down to the district or the redistricting part of this thing, I was astounded to see what you can do with a computer up there. And I will tell you that the seven of us who come from all over the spectrum politically sat there and our objective was not to figure out who believes what, thought what, said what, looked like what, anything. We were just drawing numbers on a map, which to me, as soon as you start pulling people out based on something other than numbers, uh, I think you really get in a place where you're going to get challenged potentially. And with the computers now and the, and the census data, you can, you can draw Whoever's in that district votes, <laughs> that's going to vote. And if they vote Republican or they vote Democrat or they vote whatever they decide to do, it's all fair. To the extent you start looking at cultural interests, you pull the Presbyterians out or you pull the Mormons out or you pull the Hispanics out or you pull whoever is out, I really think you get sideways. I don't know of anything, and I'm not trying to be a constitutional Attorney, I don't know of anything in the Constitution that says you need to consider this or that. It's how many people live in a given thing, and you have to have equal numbers represented. And so I hope we would keep it simple and use the census data in as straightforward a method as we can, and, and then you can absolutely defend it uh, as possible. You have a 5 or 10 percent uh, variance rate. I think, but uh, that that gives you enough to make sure that you basically have everybody represented. Thanks much. I think it'll be an interesting process. Thank you, sir. So one one comment on that. I, I think we are. You know, we have engaged a, a consultant to do. It isn't Bill Cooper. It's a different oh, firm, okay. but, um, but similar. Mm -hmm. um, and what they they can do is they can just set their computers to generate. You know, as you know, hundreds or th thousands if we wanted them, but you know, at least a dozen districting maps that are drawn, you know, again, just, just by numbers. So we'll, we will have maps like that um, to, to consider. I think one of the other interesting things that when we were looking at it on, and the 
form of government. One of the neat things, I think there, I think no one would argue that Castle Valley is its own group. I think everybody 100% agrees that's a very distinct community. But when you get into looking at renters versus non-renters and you get into some of those other kind of more dicier topics, uh, numbers, there's solace in numbers. I think that's, that's one thing that's going to be the ultimate test is if it meets the numbers test and if it does. So I, I could see why that would be a really um, comforting thing to do is just look at the numbers. Because if you picked anybody outside of this area to say draw this up into five five numbers, I think they could do it relatively quickly. Um, it just might not give everybody what they want, but sometimes in the political process, not everybody gets what they want. And I think that's the uncomfortable part about it. Well, the way that um, Moab is being bought and sold, pretty much everybody could be renter soon, then you're gonna have a really hard time <laughs> putting somebody and enough people to own property in a yeah. district. But, but just to illustrate why, you know, just by the numbers doesn't by itself determine a map. And, right. and, you know, let's look at Spanish Valley, you know, let's assume the Calisa Valley doesn't exist. And so for simplicity, we're just trying to divide Spanish Valley, including Moab, into five equal pieces. Well, we could start at the West and draw a lot of thin slices. And then every district would have some people who live in the city as well as people who live in the more rural part of the South. And the districts would be kind of they would be very similar in terms of rural-urban issues. Um, or you could start at the north and start slicing and move south, and then you'd have two districts in the north that are mostly Moab City, two districts in the south that are more rural, rural and then one in the middle that's kind of transitional. Now, both of those are by the numbers, and both of those are neutral in a sense, but they, they give very different results. And so, so it's not, it's, you know, saying that we're going to just draw equal population, that still leaves a lot of variability. But I think one other thing that we ran into when we were looking at the numbers, when you look at these, when you look at the people that run for, I mean, heck, let's take this example today. I mean, all three of us, same neighborhood, change of... No, I, I, I live pretty... Four miles south of town. Oh, four, yeah. But we're, you and I are, for, that's a perfect example. You and I are in the same, you and I were in, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Bob. Yeah. Uh, I think of Bob. I'm yeah. grouping Bob Greenberg together. But you have a lot of, you have a, yeah. You have a lot of, um, of the interactions with the community events coming from people within the city limits. You have a large number of those, and maybe it's just because of the population, but that's one thing that we need to get people from out in, you know, it'd be lovely to get people from Green River, from Thompson, from Castle Valley involved. And, and I don't know how you encourage that, except for if you draw the districts, you know, you could, with, with your analogy, almost like a, um, not a gobstop or a jawbreaker, you know, just Holy spherical God. out with the dot in the middle is Moab and you go circles out. Uh, I mean, there's many different ways to do it, but at the end of the day, you need to have people invested in running. In a lot of our races, um, and I, this is kind of just looking at the end result of the product, we don't have a lot of people run for political office in the county. I mean, I, I can think of in the last election, there was only our contested race, and then we, we had two contested races. Yeah, two, two out, out of five. Of five, which is low. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. so that's, that's another thing that would be, I wish we could pick districts that would make people want to run but we, you just don't have that which is odd well when we were on the committee i was that was my biggest argument for 
not mm -hmm. having um, so many districts was because a lot of districts don't even have people run and the same person just keeps you know they don't have any um, one run against them and that that is really my concern no matter what party you're for I like to see people run and and somebody be a clear winner and somebody be a clear loser or within you know I mean I don't mean spanked but you know what I mean but I mean I like to see we're just not the same person where it just keeps going and that that could even be more so without the term limits so that's kind of a problem that we had what we talked about a lot on the new form of government is that there's just a lot of people that don't have the time or maybe they're not retired or they have families or they're busy working out of town that can't run not that they wouldn't if they could but they're just not in a place and time where they can and for some reason it seems to be right here in this area there's a lot of us old people that don't have all these jobs that can do it mm -hmm. and I have no interest in running so I'm just telling you that yeah so it is I mean on balance I I prefer districts to having everything at large but but I think one of the strongest reasons in favor of at large is that it makes candidate recruitment easier mm -hmm. um, the flip side of that is you might get a lot of candidates who live in you know Center Street which is right. apparently the power neighborhood and right. you know, cricket green Bob Greenberg Stephen stocks and do you really want Walt Dabney. All, Walt Dabney, okay yeah so do you really want all the county commissioners living on the same block I mean no. and, and the an advantage of districts is it forces at least some geographic variety in our representation and that is a criticism that I've heard of our current um, council districts is uh, that you could have the vast majority of the um, elected officials living inside the city limits to the exclusion of folks who live outside the city limits so that would be uh, something to consider too mm -hmm. I, I do want to encourage obviously you know 95% of the county is not going to be submitting redistricting maps but I do, I do hope that we get a bunch um, it's and I, and I think actually trying to draw maps yourself makes you realize just the trade-offs that have to be made in, in drawing these districts any closing thoughts thank you for listening and being involved it makes all the difference please take the time to be involved and be a part of what's going on in your community now is an important time to have a say and make some changes yeah all right I'd like to once again thank Cricket Green Stephen Stocks and Kevin Walker for participating in our panel discussion hosted by KZMU and the local League of Women Voters thank you very much Thank you.